Hello, everyone. This is Father Reed Henserling at All Saints Episcopal Church, sharing with you the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, proper 11 for the Word of God. So these are going to be the readings in the daily lectionary in the Book of Common Prayer. By the way, the Book of Common Prayer that we're using is 1979, and we will be looking at year two, and we'll be looking at the seventh Sunday after Pentecost. From Sunday, July 19th, 2020, through Saturday, July 25th, and we'll be primarily looking at three different books of the Bible. Joshua, which is a book that comes right after Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, the first five books are called the Pentateuch, and the sixth book is called Joshua. And Joshua begins the history books, the history books. And those books extend from Judges to First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And then we go into the prophets after that. So these are called the history books, and the first of these is Joshua. The second book that we're going to look at is Romans. We've been in Romans for several weeks now. We'll be looking at Romans 13, verse 8, through Romans 15, 33 which we find on Saturday. And then finally, the book of Matthew. And we're almost in the end of the book of Matthew. Matthew is 28 chapters. We're starting in Matthew 26, 36 on Monday, extending to Matthew 27, 23. So 26 and 27 are the two long chapters about the death of Jesus, ultimately the crucifixion and burial of Christ. Chapter 28 is about his resurrection. And there are 28 chapters in the book of Matthew. Now, remember, for those of you that are reading the daily lectionary and looking at it online, if you Google the um, chapters and verses, they also give you the Psalms for morning prayer and evening prayer. I'm not going through those. Okay. All right. We're back to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is significant because Joshua is talking about the entry into Canaan, what is now Israel, by the new leader, Joshua, who comes after Moses. Now, Moses is found in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and the book of Joshua begins with Joshua chapter 1. We looked at that last week, and we're going to start in chapter 7 on Monday. Uh, act, actually, on Sunday, July 19th, we're starting in chapter 6, verse 15 to 22, 27. Now, Joshua has some very good uh, teachings for us, but there's a lot of history there, as you could expect, and a lot of uh, very interesting and important theological information in the book of uh, Joshua that has to do with the Israelite people. And the idea is that people are occupying the land that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joshua is going to have to defeat these people so that they will leave the land. And then, therefore, the Jewish people will then inhabit the land and eventually, years later, many years later, many centuries later, the Messiah is going to be born. But they have to have land. You have to have a people. So we start with Abram, later called Abraham, and you have to have land. And then you have to inhabit that land. Okay. So we'll be working through that as we go through this year together from the Book of Common Prayer, the Daily Lectionary. All right. Joshua chapter 6, 15 to 27. He's talking about the book of um, the the fall of Jericho, we see that at the end of chapter 5, which I left on off last w week. And we have chapter 6, 
and he talks to them in 15 through 27 about the devoted things and shouting and uh, this the city in verse 17 being devoted to the Lord. Keep away from the devoted things, verse 18, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. And so there are certain rules that the Israelites had to follow when they took the land. And if they followed those rules, everything went fine. If they disobeyed those rules, then there were major problems. So those of you that are reading Joshua for this week, you'll notice that God was very harsh with them. So that when we turn on Monday to chapter 7, Achan's sin, see, he violated the covenant. Verse 11, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. So chapter 7 in Joshua is a very famous chapter on the idea that one person can mess up a whole community. And so the people had extraordinary problems until this man came forward, mentioned his sin, shared his sin, and then the people were restored. And so what's very important in the Old Testament books is that the people keep the word of the Lord and that they do it in mass. When people begin to break the word of the Lord and that spreads in the community, that's a very, very serious problem in maintaining the unity of the community. Now, remember, the, back, the, the idea, the backstory, the, what we're trying to accomplish here is to have a people that can defend themselves against people that want to destroy them. Because if they can't defend themselves and they are destroyed, then the Messiah can't come through. There's no Messiah. Okay. You have to have a people. So God has very stringent rules to keep the people together. And he's going to keep them together by telling them what those rules are, what those laws are, and the people keeping the laws. If the people fail to do that, then there's going to be very serious problems. So when you look at chapter 7 on Monday and you look at chapter 8 on Tuesday, you'll see some very, very interesting historical information about different communities that Joshua uh, was led by the Lord to take. All right? And that uh, is very, very important. This is verse 34 of chapter 8. He says, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as is written in the word of the Lord. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including women and children and the aliens who lived among them. So it's crucial that the people know what the law says, both the blessings and the curses. Why? Because they could respond appropriately when they knew what was expected of them. People don't respond very well to God when they do not know what they're supposed to do or they do not have the right information. Now, incumbent upon us when we receive the word of the Lord is to follow the word of the Lord. Failure to do so can have, as I said earlier, grave consequences. Again, in chapter 9, I'm not going to go through this for the sake of time. I just wanted to encourage you to read this. We have another wonderful teaching. And then uh, in chapter 9 on Thursday, in chapter 9 and 10 on Friday, we have just a listing, a chronology, a story uh, that Joshua shares with us about uh, how uh, his uh, people, his soldiers handled the problems handled the, the, the folks that he needed to subjugate, to take over, how they responded to them, how God was with him 
Now, the key thing, we see this in chapter one. I said this last week. It's important that they obey the word of the Lord so that the Lord will fight for them so that they will be victorious in gaining the cities and the towns and the countryside for the Lord and his people. If they lose all their battles, then they're going to get wiped out, and that's going to have grave consequences for the Messiah to come. It won't be a people to come to because they won't be inhabiting any land. So the preservation of Israel after they've won these battles is also very, very important. Chapter 23 on Saturday, we skip over to chapter 23. Um, It's a very, very famous uh, chapter. I wish I had time to go over it with you. I want you to read that very closely. After a long time had passed and the Lord, verse 1, had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them. God was doing the work. God was doing the work of making sure that Joshua would be successful. Look at verse 3. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Now, you see, you want to have that same clarion cry in your own life. God is fighting for me. God is on my side. What did he say in verse 6? Another verse that you should highlight. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the name of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you must hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. Be very careful, verse 11, to love the Lord your God. Okay? And he says in verse 14, you know with all your heart and soul that one of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Then he says very clearly in verse 16, if you violate the covenant, your Lord, your God has commanded you and you go and serve other gods and bow down to them. The Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. So it looks like from an objective point of view that Joshua is a great leader and a great warrior, but actually what's happening is that God is fighting for them and that they are doing and winning great battles because God is going before them and winning the battles for them. Okay, so God is in charge. It's his story, history. It's his story. It's not the Israelite story. It's what God is doing. And the book of Joshua helps us with that very clearly. So I hope you enjoy that very much this week. Let's look at Romans chapter 13, 14, and 15. Romans, of course, we've been in Romans for several uh, months now. Romans is just extraordinarily good. And what we find in these chapters is um, wonderful documentation about the way we should live. And anytime you see scriptures like that, you want to take your time uh, and go through them very slowly. I love chapter 13. Um, 8 to 14 on Monday, July 20th. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. He or she who loves his fellow man or woman has fulfilled the law. Clothe yourselves, verse 14, with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Again, what I urge you to do as you're reading Joshua, you're reading um, Romans, and you're reading Matthew, you're reading slowly. You're understanding what the writer is saying you're praying about what God wants you to receive as a, as a result of your personal piety, your personal study. So when you look at the end of chapter 13, and now we go to chapter 14 and 15, he is giving us lots of very practical information. The theology of the first 
11 chapters is significant and I must agree on some level fairly difficult for most people. But when you get to th- chapter 13, 14, and 15, uh, it's pretty direct. It's pretty direct and it's pretty clear. In chapter 14, if we live, we live to the Lord. Verse 8, if we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Look at verse um, Look at verse 10. We will all stand before God's judgment seat. That's pretty clear, isn't it? That's pretty clear. So Monday in uh, chapter 13, Tuesday in chapter 14, uh, and Wednesday in the second half of chapter 14, the kingdom of God, verse 17, it's not a matter of eating and drinking, chapter 14, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by man. So a beautiful scripture about what the kingdom of God is. Okay, and again, read each of these verses very slowly. I just highlight that one for you on chapter 15, verses one to 13 on Thursday and on Friday, the second half and on Saturday, the third half. So you can divide 15 into three days. And he says, may the God, verse five, give who gives endurance and encouragement, give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus. So our desire is to follow Jesus, to have encouragement to have unity, so that with one heart and one mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says in verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Another beautiful verse. And of course, that whole chapter is wonderful. So again, read slowly, listen to what God is saying to you. There are some historical aspects to it. He's just telling you the history of what he's doing and what he's encountering and how he, what he's dealing with. And also there's some spiritual impartation where he's dealing with some spiritual realities that you and I want to listen to and incorporate and think about in our spiritual lives. And that ends chapter 15. If you'll look very quickly at 16, it'll be interesting to see what we have on the eighth Sunday after Pentecost. But there's personal greetings in the first 16 verses that I'm hoping will come through to verses 17 through 27. They're very, very good. As I mentioned earlier, in Matthew chapter 26, we are entering into the stage where Jesus is going to be crucified. But before he's crucified, quite a bit happens. 2636 is where we begin, and we are looking at Gethsemane. Now, you've probably heard of Gethsemane. You may have even been to Gethsemane. And so this is the uh, sweating, sweating, the um, sweating of blood. Now, we don't see the sweating of blood in Matthew's account, but we do see it in Luke. But Jesus was so overcome with sorrow, so overcome with what he was getting ready to do that he literally sweated drops of blood. But he asks his disciples in this first pericope to pray with him, but they're sleeping. They're sleeping in his greatest hour of need. Then he's arrested from 47 to 56 on Tuesday. He's arrested. All the disciples deserted him and fled. So Jesus is now on his own. On Wednesday, he goes before the Sanhedrin, verses 57 to 68, and he is questioned by them. Remember, Judas has turned him in. He has been captured. And now we can begin the process of Jesus going to the cross. On Thursday, at the end of chapter 26, remember Peter. All of you I know know Peter very well. He said, I will never deny you. Now, these guys that are here, these other disciples, they may deny you, but I'm not going to deny you. And Jesus said, "You'll before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. 
Uh, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. So very serious. And then we see in 69 to um, 75 that, in fact, he does deny Christ. In chapter 27, as we begin on Friday and then go to Saturday, we have the fact that Judas hangs himself. Now, remember, Judas is the one, 30 pieces of silver. Remember that Matthew is very much um, an Old Testament gospel. It relies on the Old Testament very much and very frequently. So you'll see lots of cross-references because he's talking to Jewish Christians so that they really uh, bind their faith to the Old Testament to show that, remember we talked about Joshua and having a name and having a people and having land um, that needed to be preserved for the Messiah to come. Joshua, uh, of course, uh, is very important in that category. And we find that Matthew uh, uses the Old Testament scriptures to prove uh, Jesus is the Messiah, and he takes us through the scriptures very often from the Old Testament perspective. On Saturday, chapter 27, 11 to 23, Jesus stands before Pilate. Again, these are words that I'm sure you've heard many times, but what we do in the lectionary readings is we continue to read them. We continue to study them. We continue to take them seriously. We continue to absorb them and see them from a different perspective, perhaps. You've changed, I've changed from year to year, month to month, day to day. But the scripture does not change. But you and I may see something differently when we are reading these verses. So when you read this week from Joshua, notice that God is using Joshua to take the land that he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When you're reading Romans, you're thinking about practical ways that God speaks to you about the way that you and I should live and the way we should think and the way that we should act. And of course, in Matthew's gospel, you're coming face to face with your Redeemer, your Savior, and his um, inevitable um, will, the inevitable will of God to die for the sins of the world. All right? And then we see that as we go through chapter 26, and I'm sure next week we will continue on in chapter 27 and then go to the resurrection of Christ. So we pray that the Lord would bless everyone's reading this week, give them quality time, uh, pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to each one of us, and that we'll actually learn something of significance and value, help us in our relationship with Christ, and bless your people abundantly. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Lord God, bless your people this week. We look forward to seeing you next week on the 7th, on the 8th Sunday after Pentecost, but on the 7th Sunday, enjoy your study. God bless you.